right, joining us now on the program is author Ned Hayes. He has a new book out titled Sinful Folk. It's a novel of the Middle Ages, and we're keen to talk to him about that. And apparently this book made him an expert on Valentine's Day, which sounds interesting in and of itself. So without further ado, I'd like to be able to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Ned Hayes. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Ned, you've got this book about the Middle Ages, Sinful Folk. Uh, tell us a bit about it. Well, it's the story of a woman who um, hid as a mute man for 10 years in a remote village, and then um, her son was murdered, and all of her secrets started to come out. And in the course of the novel, I got to research all sorts of interesting things, including the first Valentine's poem written by Chaucer in 1382. So thus my uh, bit of an expertise on Valentine's Day. Well, all right. I guess that was the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Chaucer wrote about it. I understand that uh, it was it was not popularized till you know much after the events, but it supposedly is based upon took place. Well, first of all, what is the link between the novel of the Middle Ages and and looking back at Valentine's Day? Well, when I started researching um, the ideas of love in the Middle Ages, my main character uh, is a woman who was raised as a peasant and then falls in love with a nobleman. And I started um, asking questions about how love was portrayed in that period, and it took me deeper down the rabbit hole of um, how, how peasants related to noble people, how people fell in love with each other, how, how marriages were often arranged. And um, I kept circling around this idea of Valentine's, and it turns out that a um, minor character in the sequel to this novel uh, actually probably wrote the first Valentine's card as well. His name was Charles, Duke of Orleans. And he was in prison writing to his wife, who was, um, of course, hoping for his quick release. Who was the original Valentine? Well, that's a great question. The, the original uh, St. Valentine may not have existed at all. We, we uh, celebrate the holiday. It was celebrated by the Romans about 800 years uh, before the Christian Church. Um, but there were three or four different people who could have been St. Valentine. Legend has it that some lovers were separated, and he brought them together and then was executed for his troubles. And before he was executed, he wrote a note uh, to um, the daughter of his jailer and signed it, Your Valentine. And uh, we do the same today. Hopefully we won't suffer as much for love as he did. Well, I am a bit of a fallen Catholic, but I understand he is actually in, in the canon of, of, uh, of, of saints among the Catholic Church? He is, but I, I believe that St. Nick is as well, also known to us as Santa Claus. <laughs> so you have to take some of these things with a grain of salt. Yeah, I know a few things got changed along the way. <laughs> For sure. And the, the really interesting thing about many of these celebrations is that they speak to universal human needs, you know, for love, for acceptance, for connection, either at Christmas or at Valentine's Day, but they aren't necessarily historically based. We don't need to point back at, at a real historical figure to know that we love the people who we are in marriage to or, or are in our families. Well, I know in the case of Christmas that there was a, a long-standing, very popular Roman holiday about the time that there was the winter solstice and the Christian Church decided to, 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 to commandeer that holiday, which was more or less in stages converted into a Christmas, and I'm assuming that much to say must have happened in the case of the Valentine's holiday. Exactly. And the, the Roman tradition was that uh, birds would actually find their mates in February. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, a time when nature came together, so human beings apparently were supposed to do the same. I imagine it 
had to have evolved along the way between the early days and the Middle Ages. What, uh, how, what was that progression like? The progression uh, moving out of uh, fully arranged marriages into viewing love as romance happened in the early Middle Ages and then through the high Middle Ages. And in fact, uh, my, my new novel, Sinful Folk, takes place in a period when people are kind of turning that corner towards viewing love as something that can be entirely romantic, can be something that one chooses instead of just choosing it because you need a roof over your head or, or you need somebody's salary to support you. And so that, that change into uh, romance being the primary motivation for marriage or love is a significant change in the Middle Ages, and I think we're still living it out today. You know, we still celebrate um, romance as one of the highest virtues. So can we presume that back in the 1300s, the time of your, which your novel is set, they were sending flowers and candy back and forth? <laughs> I don't think they sent candy that much. And, <laughs> and um, uh, they, they did send flowers. In fact, Chaucer's poem, The Parliament of Fowls, is all about birds falling in love. And, um, and it starts with a line about flowers. Uh, so it definitely has some of the same images. But they didn't send cards because... Uh, many people were illiterate at that time. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they would memorize poems for each other, but they would not actually uh, send cards because who could read them? <laughs> so do, do we have the Duke of Orleans to thank, really, for uh, that tradition? Or is that more Hallmark? <laughs> uh, I think it's more Hallmark. I think a great tradition would be for people to actually write their own poems. For, for their lovers, uh, because that was what was traditionally done in the 1300s and 1400s for those people who were capable of writing. Uh, other people would uh, just memorize famous poems that, that others had written, which is very similar to, you know, buying your Hallmark card. Well, Ned, I've never really contemplated sending anyone a poem. That's an interesting suggestion. We'll have to get to one of our fellow KDVS hosts who has a show on poetry to maybe give us some assistance, but I like the idea. We associate Valentine's Day with these little cherubs. They're running around with these bows and arrows. Uh, that's always been a bit of a bit of puzzle to me. Where, where, do we know the story on that? The cherubs and, and other creatures were, were, were traditional Roman symbols of, uh, of love. So those are some of the ancient symbols that come to us from the whole idea of, of fawns and centaurs and all of those Greco-Roman ideas. That's where those uh, cherub images come from. So those have been around before well before Hallmark uh, put them on cards. Now, I am presuming that, not to slam Hallmark, or their card manufacturers, but they certainly have been influential in how we celebrate a lot of holidays, at least here in America. Was there a time, say, uh, in the 19, 1800s, perhaps, when, uh, when that started? I mean, from a commercial standpoint, yeah. Well, around the same time that Mother's Day moved from being an anti-war holiday to being a, a Hallmark holiday, uh, Hallmark and, and other card companies began to get into the game around, uh, around Christmas cards and Valentine's cards, and that happened about, um, about 1870. Um, and it depends on when that really took off, but, it, but about 1870 to 1930, uh, cards really became the thing to do, partially because we had a great postal system, and prior to that, uh, if you sent a letter, you weren't always sure it would get there. <laughs> Well, Nick, your book here about the Middle Ages, I'm sure will educate a lot of people about that era. Um, it's sort of a, well, it's called the Dark Ages for a reason. I guess it's not as well known. It's sort of looked at unfavorably compared to the, the previous times of, of Greco-Roman civilization. Uh, what, what's the most surprising thing you, you learned in your research about the Middle Ages? 
Well, I learned in writing this novel how, how women's voices were really suppressed. And, um, uh, it, and that's why I wrote the book from the perspective of a medieval woman. I wanted to bring her voice to the forefront and really tell her story. And I think all too often we uh, like to read books about princes and kings and queens, but we don't read about peasants and about people whose, whose voices are hidden. So um, I found it really fascinating to write from that perspective. I hope that readers feel the same way. Very good. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, our thanks to Ned Hayes, and of course, our profuse thanks to one of our heroes, Mr. Tony Wheeler. Also on next week's program, we anticipate speaking with the good people at Astronomy Magazine. Their 500th issue is currently on the stands and is titled The 500 Coolest Things About Space. We expect to kick around quite a few cool facts about space. We'll just close with one today, which is that driving your car to the nearest star, that would be Proxima Centauri, at a speed of 70 miles an hour, will take you 356 billion years. So we suggest you get started sooner rather than later. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. And now stay tuned for a resumption of KDVS's musical broadcasting in the form of music to make pancakes too. We'll see you next week. Sometimes.